0: W.R.I.R. 97.3 FM, Richmond's independent radio. This is The Creative Habit, where we bring you great stories about culture, creativity, and innovation. I'm Paige Goodpasture. This week I went to Candela Books and Gallery to talk with gallery owner Gordon Stetinius about the show that opens tonight in the gallery, Stump, Many of us are riveted and repelled by the presidential election right now. The campaigns have raised a lot of issues that we sometimes want to turn away from. This exhibition uses photography to make us look through the lens of art. The seven photographers in the show each use the camera as a tool to move us, galvanize us, and provoke us to think about these issues and to have difficult conversations about them. Gordon walked us through the show and explained why each of these artists is telling an important story. So I'm here today at Candela Gallery talking with Gordon Stetinius about the upcoming show that is opening
1: It opens tonight, a preview reception from 5 to 8 p.m. at Candela Books and Gallery, and then the public opening is September 2nd, and that's from 5 to 9, part of First Fridays here in Richmond.
0: Okay, so Gordon, this show is very timely. I think it would be timely at any moment, but particularly with the election coming up. So tell me about the concept for this show.
1: With the concept of the show, we knew that this space, or this particular space in the calendar, September-October was going to be on the eve of the election. And like many or most, I'm pretty hardwired into both the issues and the actual election itself. So I wanted to put together an arts exhibition that was about people who had political concerns, were dealing with uh, topics that are timely, ones that would be possibly part of a lively discussion in the national campaigns. So I tried to figure out what are some of the major issues. We can't, of course, cover everything, but in this case, we've added seven artists, all of whom have a particular direction that we thought would be interesting to be talking about right before the national election comes to bear.
0: Okay, and Candela Books and Gallery focuses on photography, and you are a photographer Mm -hmm. as well, so this show, Stump, is a photography show. So let's start out. So we're here in the gallery. And I mean, there just is a ton to look at and digest. And but we're standing here in this corner looking at some really moving photographs that look like they may be photographs of Black Lives Matter protests. So why don't we start there?
1: That's correct. This is work by Sheila Pree Bright, who has been photographing the Black Lives Matter movement really since its beginnings and she's making this work today. I met her in Cleveland. No, I met her in Philadelphia this summer photographing at the, the Democratic National Convention and just saw her in the street. She was there one moment and then she was gone. She's been busy traveling uh, and showing, which is really hard to do, to work and get the work out simultaneously, but she has been really working industriously on this as an issue. And also trying to be participatory as well as documentary.
0: So that actually raises a question that I came to the gallery with today, which is that you know, some of the work that, that is here is uh, sort of straightforward documentary-looking or photojournalism-looking work, although there may be a different approach mm-hmm. depending on the artist. Some of what you said about Sheila Prebright Bright made me feel like she's coming at her work from a couple of different perspectives, not from a straight sort of documentary or photojournalism perspective necessarily or alone For example, when you are out taking pictures to document something, an event, you typically then will see those photographs in the news. And here are her works hanging on the walls at the gallery, beautiful prints. And she's still making this work now. And you mentioned that it's hard to be out there making the work and showing it in various venues, including galleries. And she's participating as a member of this movement. So what are some of the different ways that photographers as artists address issues that are of concern to them?
1: I think that art is sometimes a slow lane as compared to editorial cycles. I mean, we really are getting our news sort of instantly via Twitter and the Internet and so forth. So there's a kind of a time lag between artists and the work that they finally feel is realizing some kind of vision that they're trying to put out. Myself, I am still darkroom photographer, so I have to shoot the film, I have to develop it. The gallery is an incredible drag on my production, so literally months might pass between my presence at an event and when I finally get around to trying to share it with somebody. In Sheila's case, she is working in such a dynamic way on a subject that is so potent topically, that I think she probably feels a responsibility to be as active on both sides of it as she can. She has basically followed the events as they happen as best she can. At the same time, people like myself are interested in her and helping her get her word out, and so she has to figure out how to kind of keep a gallery uh, happy and try to get the, the prints in their hands, and she's worked with other people to help create these prints a gentleman named Eric Luden up in uh, Boston area is the guy who printed these and they're beautiful Mm -hmm. so she's on the road she she would be incapable of I think making this work at the same time as she's shooting this work so it's a bit it's a bit of a time lag and for her I don't know that until the dust settles probably some years from now when she feels like she's said as much as she's gonna say I think there's gonna be an extraordinary book of her work it's something that's really evocative and it's, it's, I think it's very humanizing to a, a lot of people. I think when you find somebody polarized about the issues of Black Lives Matter, I think in the abstract they feel like individuals are out there you know, all intoxicated by the moment and not being thoughtful. She is extraordinarily thoughtful and she's trying to tell the story I think evenly but also make sure that story's heard as widely as she possibly can.
0: It makes me think about the Gordon Park show that's at the Mm -hmm. Virginia Museum of Fine Arts right now, and the difference between, so he was covering the Civil Rights Movement and Black Panthers and, you know, all kinds of things that were equally timely during his life, but the speed with which those things were disseminated was much different, so he was working on timely issues at a much slower pace.
1: Well, he was he was doing it at a time where you were probably sending your film to a press agency or something like that. Someone who was going to try to make uh, images available by contact sheets for picture editors, and so his work was sifted through by other people, and there were filters between him and his eventual articles. So that's a, a completely different conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is in control. I think, in almost every way of what's getting out there, which is a huge advantage. And his work, of course, is brilliant.
0: If you're just tuning in, this is The Creative Habit. I'm Paige Goodpasture, and I'm talking with Gordon Stettinius about the different ways that photographers use their art to address issues that inspire them, disturb them, and provoke them. So switching gears entirely, so if we turn, we are now looking at a group of photographs that couldn't be on their face more different than the very documentary style sort of in the moment emotional drama pictures that we were just looking at. So these are very colorful Images of what looks like collections of different types of objects. So there's uh, what looks like a rubber band ball and a collection of maybe wallets or passport covers. There's a collection of soaps, combs. Let's explore this artist and tell me why you chose these for this show.
1: Tom Kiefer is the name of this artist, and Tom is a really compelling individual in a, in a few different ways. He's a great photographer, and I think these prints evidence that. But it was his insights into immigration and naturalization on the ground. He was a janitor at a border station in Ajo, Arizona, and he was, I think, distressed, probably was his initial response, but ultimately kind of engaged with all the material possessions of these undocumented Mexican nationals that were trying to come into this country. They'd be processed and deported, and many times, I think he objected to this process, but many times they were separated from their material possessions, so wallets, shoestrings, money, combs and various cosmetic things, Bibles, condoms. There's probably 125 or so images that are all distinctly categorically different. The gloves that the children would wear would sometimes be like Spider-Man gloves or princess gloves, you know, they're scrabbling over rocks, or scrabbling over boulders. And then work gloves would be the, you know, the province of the adults. So he collected all these, he collected these blankets, these kind of those cheap sort of saddle blankets. Um, so he's got bales, like that's the one curiosity with him is there's probably Warehouses full of things that this guy more or less scavenged hoarder style and on the down low because he was afraid he would lose his job if anybody realized that he was collecting all these things but he was getting them out of garbage cans so his sort of role as janitor kind of doubled as uh, aggregator for all these kind of material possessions and now he's gone and taken it a step further and separated them and kind of teased them into groups and and then made designs that were like mandalas or uh, grids or color fields. And some of them are there's I don't know. There might be trace amounts of kind of humor or unusual aspects to certain things, but basically it's 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 emotional because of the fact that so much energy was poured into trying to get here, and then ultimately just the disappointment and the care and inconsideration of our process of just taking their things and sending them back. They don't even get to take their wallets and their pictures and their belongings with them.
0: Yeah, it's they're very emotionally powerful, kind of unexpectedly. So we're going to walk in the other room for a minute because now I'm thinking about this. So another photographer that you have chosen for this show has a little bit of a different take on the idea of the outsider in America. So these are pictures from Guantanamo, but they're not exactly what you would expect. So tell me a little bit about these pictures and the maker.
1: Debbie Cornwall is the name of the artist, and she has had uh, unusual access to Guantanamo and the facilities there as a lawyer. And as a photographer, this is probably the first major project that she's put together, and she, I think, realized that she was kind of sitting in the middle of a rare opportunity just by virtue of who she was and her other life, other professional life. Um, She's been making photographs, and she acknowledges that there have been minders, there have been people sort of telling her what she can and cannot do. But even with that oversight, these images carry this weight of subjugation and imprisonment and the professional practice of incarceration and interrogation and these are really rough realities to look at they're relatively unpeopled it's the it's the forced feeding chair it's uh a cage which is essentially about a i don't know how big that is 15 by 15 workout area which has got to be in like the heat of the day a prayer rug another sort of i don't know what that is it's a it's a actually like a lazy boy but it's got shackles at the feet so that would be a place where somebody might be subjected to i i can't even tell you what debbie will be here on friday and hopefully she'll enlighten all of us myself included into what some of the specifics are here and then you had the 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 gentleman in camouflage soldiers that are these guys are actually taking a break, they're on a patio somewhere, they're overlooking the ocean and they are regular people been tasked with an unbelievable orders really. And she's added to this some different sorts of effects, a prison uniform, a mirror that's unbreakable would be the type of thing you'd find in a cell or in a prison bathroom. She has other personal effects, kind of like the gift shop materials you might find in the Guantanamo gift shop. A baby onesie that says it doesn't get Mo better than this. Bad, like horrible puns that have turned into kind of merchandise or product. And so she's added these different elements as a, another sort of way to discuss what she's trying to get at.
0: They're, they're disturbing. Insti- they're
1: disturbing. They're institutional. Mm-hmm portraits, almost.
0: Switching gears again to almost like a sort of a fantastical. We're looking at this one picture that looks like a pretend fairy castle. These are Brian Ulrich, who has dealt in his work with issues around consumerism and sort of the wasteland of consumerism, I think I would call it, in Mm -hmm. his past work. So tell me about this work.
1: You're right in that Brian has dealt with a lot of variations on this theme. He's talked about the big box stores, and in the recession in 2008, those became ghost box stores, so he did lots of portraits of essential bankruptcy. He did portraits of kind of the the fresh minty kind of materialism in in high-end stores and department stores, and then also... Uh, tried to kind of flesh out that idea of that material stream and and focus on thrift stores and the people who shop there, the people who work there. And basically he's kind of tracked all the different ways in which you know goods come to market and then their lifespan and their eventuality. Uh, he's done, most recently, work that was built upon the idea of Centurion card, which was an American Express card, which was... Kind of legend it was this black card that was apparently only like people had sort of heard of, but it wasn't really an item till ultimately that urban legend became something that American Express put out there It was like this unlimited credit line and so the Centurion idea is kind of the high end it's like the one percent of the one percent he's gone to department stores up on Fifth Avenue from the window to the The people working in the stores, everything is refined and glossy and high-end. And he's done a lot of the window displays, some of the, you know, the vaults and some of the trappings of these places. There's something very sort of rare air about some of this work. And it also seems artificial and contrived at the same time. So it's supposed to be alluring, but it actually just seems really chilly at the same time. And then mixed with that, recently he's been tracking people who have become... Fascinated or, or smitten with the idea of living in a castle, living that particular dream. And so he's got a map that he's been working on, a uh, U.S. map that might have 300 castles on it. And some of those castles, one of them here, I think is pretty extraordinary. Uh, some of those are by people who are flush, and they have more money than sense, possibly. But he's also been included in this take people who are... Spending a lifetime constructing their own castle, they're more homespun, outsider architecture, if you will. So he's, uh, you know, kind of caught up in in the the fantasy of the American dream. I think
0: again, totally different aesthetic. These are. Well, the two that I'm looking at right now are these beautiful shadow box type pieces that look like they're Petri dishes.
1: They are meant to appear to be authentic Petri dishes. They're actually cyanotype images of publicly available image files of STDs. So transmittable diseases, Lindsay Beale is the artist, and she's somebody who's done a number of different riffs on women's issues either reproductive or sexuality next to these std images which actually are sort of preciously beautiful even though that makes it difficult to believe uh, are these vintage images of antique vibrators and then across the gallery we have wallpaper that she's designed using imagery that is basically different forms of contraceptive we had the female condom, you have the ring, you have birth control pill and that one on the, the third panel, and then you have condom on the fourth panel. And so these are all wallpapers that she's designed and they are, a couple of them are subversively like, attractive and then a couple of them are more, I don't know, they, they, seem, they seem like a statement. Some of them seem like believable and some not.
0: If you're just joining us, this is The Creative Habit, and I'm Paige Goodpasture. I'm talking with Gordon Stetinius about Stump, the exhibition that opens tonight at Candela Books and Gallery. And so going back to this idea of using photography as an artist to talk about issues that resonate with you or concern you or inspire you or whatever it might be that you're exploring, this is, again, an entirely different mode of bringing those, of exploring those issues as an artist and also bringing them to the viewer. When you chose her to bring into the gallery, what were you hoping that viewers would be able to explore through her work in the context of of the show?
1: I'd say we're a little bit hybrid in our intention in this particular show. I really wanted to do something here in the space that would just ignite conversation. I have a collector up in d c who was saying to me that he hoped i wouldn 't do this you know bleeding heart liberal you know art propaganda affair, and my response to him, which i 've been trying to kind of refine since, was that i don 't feel that the issues are naturally partisan. I think it's the solutions and all the ways that we dance around those issues that gets very partisan. So I asked him to bring it and bring his ideas and bring his opinions and so I really want to have a conversation in the gallery. Then on the flip side, I am a photographer. I fetishize the object. I really am drawn to these artists for the things that they make. And so there's maybe a duality. Sometimes I'm just really smitten with the work that they've done, and it happens to kind of check a box, women's issues, that I feel is very important. When you have the Democratic versus the Republican aspects, uh, I feel like they have different things to say about what women might have control over their own bodies, and, and I think that it's important that at least we have the touchstone to venture into that conversation. Mm -hmm. So that's why Lindsay would be in the show, is that she has spent her creative life basically focusing on various concerns.
0: Next to her work are some images that look like landscapes, aerial photographs mostly, but I'm sure that's not all there is (laughs) to it, so tell me about this artist.
1: There is to it, Dina Whitman is her name and she, She's got seven pieces, four of which are stable salt prints that are, they're lovely. They betray a little bit of the science or the internet interface that she's used to make these images, but that's not the only thing that she's going about. She's actually got three pieces here, which will, they haven't been fixed, so they're not going to be stable, so they're going to disappear during the course of the show. And when she's shared this work, she likes to do the images kind of on the strength of the image, aesthetically pleasing, and also intellectually tinted. But she also wants to have them disappear during the course of the show, which is symbolic of our environmental concerns, what we're losing in terms of the environment and the ice caps, and possibly what's going on with our oceans. They're gonna fall apart as these four pieces will remain stable, so at least have those to look at throughout to discuss.
0: Love that, that's very cool. And so then, next to these pieces, we kind of get arrive back at some work that is more journalistic or documentary in style, but it's also very surreal.
1: Mark Peterson is the photographer here, and Mark, is a, he's rather old school in that he is still working. He's probably on the road more often than he's not. He is a veteran of many national campaigns and his style is pretty recognizable it's a uh, black and white work he's actually shooting with i think pro gear but he's also of late he's been sort of running it through his phone and it gets kind of noirish and mm-hmm. a little bit i don't know it's got kind of a horror film sort of quality all these campaign moments with ted cruz and donald trump bernie sanders hillary clinton these are kind of interpreted in these sort of surreal, somewhat humorous, sometimes uh, somewhat editorial, sometimes images. And Mark is—he's uh, a guy that, again, he doesn't really slow down to, to satisfy a gallery. He's not making these objects that are premium. He's a witness. He's pretty epic. You, anyone who comes into the gallery has almost certainly seen his work, as you know, New York Times Magazine, or he's a guy that the work has gotten out there. In, big, in a big way. But the name probably you didn't know.
0: It is very cinematic, which I'm sure has been inspired by this current election. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, so you are a photographer and an artist, as well as a gallery mm-hmm. owner and book maker and all kinds of other things. You went to the Democratic and Republican conventions this year. So what inspired you, scared you, motivated you to do that, and what was it like?
1: I think one of the motivations was pretty basic in that I feel like the small business owner version of myself, the gallery owner, has been something that is uh, actually been pretty fun and it's been pretty dynamically interesting in most regards, but I am kind of spending too much time at my desk, whereas I used to be someone more akin to Mark, and so I wind up wanting to put something on my calendar where I can go and kind of behave as a photographer again. And so the conventions, I am very much enamored of this whole national charade that we have going on. And I chose to go to Cleveland and to Philly and to photograph people for whom this is like the pinnacle of their existence. In Cleveland, you had the police everywhere, of course. You had Black Lives Matter. You had neo-Nazis to a certain extent. You had Code Pink. You had a lots of republican foot soldiers the delegates sometimes in costumes it was really amazing and then the dnc was very different there's a lot of activism but both scenes were pretty much kept under control andor people kept themselves under control so that was sort of a nice thing to report but yeah the the imagery is kind of off the hook at the same time still working my way through that film cuz i am a slow photo person
0: well this i mean i love the way this show has come together each artist has their own presence and they're each very individual and have something really interesting and unexpected to say but but it also has come together really beautifully
1: yeah hopefully you guys will come out
0: all right well thanks thank you Well, that's it for today's show the creative habit can be heard at noon on wrir 97.3 fm every first and third thursday of the month or listen to this and all our past shows on soundcloud or itunes and you can check out our facebook page for more information about candela's new show and other great stuff about creativity and innovation in richmond and beyond our theme music is by david eastlick I'm Paige Goodpasture, and thanks for listening.